you know your Bible history, you know there was a time when the Israelites were enslaved to the Egyptians. And during this time, they suffered terrible cruelty. They were beaten, they were whipped, they were forced to do hard labor. And finally, their cry to God became so great that he decided to deliver them. And you may remember that he chose Moses to be their deliverer. Moses was leading a quiet life as a shepherd at the time, but God spoke to him through a burning bush and said, Moses, I want you to go down to Egypt and give Pharaoh a message. I want you to tell him to let my people go. You may also remember that Moses wasn't real crazy about doing that, but he eventually did do it. However, Pharaoh wasn't impressed. He had a good thing going there with all that cheap Jewish labor, helping to build the infrastructure of his country. And so he wasn't about to acquiesce to that demand. He looked at Moses and said, um, no. I'm not going to let your people go. And so God began to afflict Pharaoh and the Egyptian people with plagues. It was God's way of saying, okay, if you want to do this the hard way, let's do it the hard way. And God sent a series of plagues, 10 of them in all, and it's the second plague I want us to think about today, the plague of frogs. Now, in order to appreciate this story and what happens here, I think we have to spend at least a moment or two talking about frogs. I think you would probably agree with me that a frog is not the most attractive creature in the world. It's not soft and cuddly and warm like a puppy or a kitten. In fact, in the classic fairy tales, it's the detestable frog you have to kiss in order to get your handsome prince. So frogs don't get a lot of love, don't get a lot of respect, and yet I think we do have to acknowledge that they do make some valid contributions to the world. For example, did you know that the glands of some frogs produce between 20 and 30 different compounds that are used to make antibiotics? That's pretty cool, isn't it? If you were sick over the winter and you went to your doctor and he prescribed some antibiotics, <laughs> there's a good chance you were swallowing frog secretions. I'm just here to bless you. I, which, which kind of brings up a question, doesn't it? Like, who was the first person to look at frog secretions and say, hmm, I wonder if I swallowed some of that, if it would make me feel better. Also, frogs eat ants and mosquitoes, and I think that's something we could all get behind, right? Uh, then next summer when you're out swatting mosquitoes and talking about how terrible they are, think about how much worse they would be if we didn't have frogs out there slurping them up. Also, frogs help us educate our children. Raise your hand if you dissected a frog in high school biology class. Okay, look at that. And think about how that changed your life, right? Think about how much richer your life has been because you understand the digestive tract of a frog. Frogs are also a delicacy. Raise your hand if you've eaten frog legs. Raise your hand if you liked them. Wow, that's good. Raise your hand if you thought they tasted like chicken. Yeah, they do, don't they? 
Also, frogs are good. They have entertainment value. For example, we've lived with this guy for a lot of years, and his antics with Miss Piggy have entertained us and our children. Also, I was reading about a little town in Texas that has what they call the Frog Olympics. And people come from all over, thousands of people to this little town, and they actually have athletic competitions featuring frogs. And as I was reading about this, I discovered that the world record triple jump for a frog is 33 feet and 5 inches. Think about that. 33 feet and 5 inches in three jumps. Now, that had to be some kind of a frog. So frogs are slimy. They're not very cuddly, not very cute. But I think we have to give them some props. They are God's creatures. They do bring some, some worthwhile things into our world. The problem is when you get frogs in places where there shouldn't be frogs. There was an item in the news not long ago about a, a woman over in Brandon, Florida, who got up in the middle of the night and went to the bathroom. Now, um, she did what we've all done, and that is she went in the dark. She didn't turn on light. We've all done that. You know you don't want to flip on a light at 2 or 3 a.m. and blind yourself. And besides, this is a trip you've made many times, right, from your bed to the toilet. So you know the way. You know where all the obstacles are. And so she did what we've all done. She went without turning on a light. She got into the bathroom. She sat down on the toilet. And she later said that no rocket NASA ever launched shot into the air faster than she did when she felt something. She screamed, she jumped up, she flipped on the light, and this is what she saw. <laughs> Friends, frogs are not the problem. The problem is when you get frogs in places where there shouldn't be frogs. And that essentially was the second Frogs in places where there shouldn't be frogs. The Bible says frogs came up out of the Nile River in droves and just took over the entire land so that there were frogs in places where there shouldn't be frogs. Imagine uh, lying in bed at night and feeling something wet and slimy crawling up your leg. Imagine getting up in the morning and shaking out your clothes and seeing frogs flying everywhere. Imagine opening up your, your vat of wine and seeing about a dozen frogs swimming around in there. Friends, there were frogs everywhere, big frogs and little frogs. You couldn't take a step without squishing one. The frogs would die and their bodies would rot on the ground, filling the entire countryside with a foul stench. But it didn't matter how many frogs died, there would be more that would come up out of the river and take their place. Question. How long do you think it would take you to get sick of a situation like that? Probably not long, right? Well, it didn't take Pharaoh long either. Uh, Exodus chapter 8 and verse 8 says that Pharaoh called for Moses and begged him to, to pray to God and get rid of these frogs. In fact, that's our text for today. I'm going to read Exodus chapter 8, verses 8 and 9. It says, Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged, Plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. I will let your people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. And I love how Moses responds. He says, okay, you set the time. 
Tell me when you want me to pray for you, your officials and your people. Then you and your houses will be rid of the frogs and they will remain only in the Nile River. And Pharaoh said, yes, thank you. I'll do anything to get rid of these frogs. I'll let your people go. Just get rid of these frogs now. No, that's not what he said. That's what we would have expected him to say. That's what he should have said. Hopefully that's what you and I would have said, but that's not what Pharaoh said. Pharaoh said, do it tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having an opportunity to get rid of those frogs, to get them out of your food, to get them out of your bed, to get them out of your clothes, to get them out of your cupboard, to get them out of your toilet, and not seizing that opportunity immediately? In my wildest imagination, I can't think of a reason why Pharaoh would want to spend one more minute with those frogs, let alone one more night. But he did. And I'll be honest with you, I'm equally amazed when I see people today choosing to live with things in their lives that are making them miserable when they could get rid of them. I'm talking about things like destructive behavior patterns, bad habits, negative attitudes, um, dysfunctional, unhealthy relationships that become to us like the frogs were to the Egyptians. They bring us discomfort. They bring us misery and pain. They stink up our lives. They destroy our happiness. And yet so often we choose to hang on to them. Even though the Lord is offering to help us get rid of them, the Lord says, hey, I don't want you to live like this. I don't want you to be miserable. I don't want your life to stink. I want to help you get rid of these things. And we so often say, oh, yes, Lord, please, I want to get rid of these frogs. I want nothing more than to get rid of these frogs. But could we do it tomorrow? It makes no sense. But it happens all the time. Today, if you're choosing to live with frogs in your life, and if you've been telling yourself that tomorrow you're going to work on those frogs, tomorrow you're going to get rid of those frogs, here are two things I want you to think about. First of all, while you're waiting for tomorrow, those frogs could turn into something worse. That's exactly what happened in the case of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. The frogs were bad enough. But do you remember that after the frogs came the lice and the flies and the diseases and the boils and the hail and the locusts and the darkness and eventually the plague of death? And all of those things could have been avoided if Pharaoh had just done something about the frogs. Listen, friends, when you choose to live with frogs in your life, you will find your life getting progressively harder, not easier. You will find your life getting progressively more complicated, not less complicated. You will find yourself diving, uh, dealing with progressively bigger problems, not smaller ones. 
And someday when you do finally decide to, to seek a way out, you'll find that the way out is harder than it would have been if you had made your decision sooner. Friends, it is the nature of problems to get bigger over time if they are not dealt with. Ask any alcoholic who's had his life wrecked by strong drink. And there's a good chance that he started drinking when he was young, maybe even in high school, to uh, impress his friends. And now 20, 30, 40 years later, his life is, is a wreck because of strong drink. Ask him if problems get bigger over time if they're not dealt with. Ask an adulterer who has lost his marriage and lost the respect of his family and friends. And chances are his adultery started out as a casual flirtation in the office with a co-worker. But now, maybe six months, a year, two years later, his whole life, his marriage is wrecked. Ask him if problems get bigger over time if they're not dealt with. Go to a hospital and find a lung cancer patient, somebody who smoked all his life, and chances are he started out smoking as a kid, maybe sneaking cigarettes behind the barn with his buddies. And now 30, 40 years later, he can barely draw a breath. Ask him if problems get worse over time if they're not dealt with. It is the nature of problems to grow if you don't deal with them. You get one that's the size of a BB, then after a while it's the size of a marble, then a golf ball, then a baseball, then a basketball, then a beach ball, and it's wrecking your life when it all could have been avoided if you had dealt with it when it was the size of a BB. Some of you are probably facing this reality in your life right now. You may be dealing with a problem or maybe a complex network of problems that all could have been prevented if you had just made one good decision at a key moment in your life. That's right, I said one good decision. Because, friends, it is amazing how often the direction, the quality, and the outcome of our lives is determined by one key decision at a critical moment in our lives. And Pharaoh is the perfect example. He was one decision away from a completely different outcome for his life. He made the wrong decision in that moment. And so, yes, while you're waiting to deal with your frogs, your frogs could turn into something worse. But here's the second thing I want you to think about. While you're waiting to deal with your frogs, you could turn into something worse. Again, think about Pharaoh. He came so close to doing the right thing. He was one word, one decision away from sparing himself and his people all of this suffering and heartache. But he failed to do the right thing. And the Bible tells us that from that point on, he never came close again. From that point on, his heart just kept getting harder and harder and harder and harder. And this is something very serious for us to think about. When we fail to do the right thing at a critical moment, it changes us. And not for the better. I think about all the men we've heard about in the last year or so, famous high-profile men who've had their lives and careers wrecked by accusations of sexual misconduct. 
For every one of those guys, there was a beginning. For every one of those guys, there was a moment when they could have made a decision that it would have taken them down a different path. For Harvey Weinstein, for Matt Lauer, for Charlie Rose. You know the names, you've seen them all in the news. There was a moment early on when every one of those guys could have said, you know, this, this is wrong. I, I can't be doing this. This is going to destroy my life. It's going to hurt innocent people. I, I've got to deal with this. But apparently, obviously, every one of those guys said, you know what, I'm not going to worry about that today. And look what happened to them. I think maybe in the beginning, a lot of those guys were just kind of confused, misdirected guys who made bad choices. But over time, they became a lot worse than that, didn't they? Over time, a lot of those guys became full-blown predators. And the same thing can happen to you and me. If we fail to deal with the frogs in our lives, the frogs could become something worse, but we could become something worse too. And therefore, the thing to do if you've got frogs in your life is what Pharaoh should have done. And that is to submit to the Lord and start living your life on His terms instead of yours. And friends, this is not rocket science. You know, sometimes I think we overcomplicate life. Sometimes I think we, we get the idea that life is this, this complex mystery, this puzzle that we have to try to solve. And, and maybe the problem is we go to the bookstore and, and we see books that, like The Secret of Happiness or The Seven Secrets of Abundant Living. And we think, oh, secrets, secrets mean mysteries. Oh, life is so complicated. No, it isn't. Listen, life is all about making good decisions at critical moments. At critical moments in your life, you choose God or you choose something else. Now, I'm not saying that's always an easy choice. It isn't. We live in a fallen world. We are fallen creatures. There are pressures being brought to bear on us all the time. And so sometimes that choice is hard, but it's not complicated. Did you know there is no secret of happiness? God has a prescription for happiness, but it's not a secret. He's been shouting it from the mountaintops for thousands of years. In fact, this story we looked at today in the book of Exodus happened thousands of years ago, but it is God screaming from the mountaintops His secret of happiness. And what I'm going to do for you today as I wrap this message up, I'm going to give you the secret of happiness. It really isn't a secret. It's God's prescription for happiness that He's been shouting from the mountaintops for thousands of years. And I'm going to show you that it's so simple that it can be summed up in five words. Five words. This is God's message to all of us, has been for thousands of years, God's whole message. This is a little five-word statement that sums up the entire Bible, everything you need to know to live a great life. This is it, five words. Are you ready? God says, choose me over the frogs. 
That's everything you need to know to live a great life. God says, you want to be happy? You want to lay your head on your pillow at night and feel good about yourself and sleep well? You want to have good relationships? Choose me over the frog. It stinks.